I'm Bryony Kennedy and you're listening to the Beauty, Business and Babies podcast brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. In the last 10 years of building Adorn Cosmetics, having three children and advocating for more ethical beauty standards in the beauty industry, I've become intimately aware of what it's like to wrestle with the different areas of my life. Every fortnight, I'll share the tears and triumphs that I experienced when starting my ethical conscious beauty company, dealing with depression and caring for my children. My hope is that you'll grow to know it's okay to have imperfect days, that you are not alone in feeling like a mess and that you'll be inspired to commit to small but bold actions each and every day. Welcome back to another episode of Beauty, Business and Babies brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. I'm joined by Michelle from The Peers Project, our producers, and today we're discussing the challenges of parenting our children in the digital age. Yes, this is such an important topic. I was just saying to you earlier, and I'm so excited to dive into it with you now, but especially, you know, it's important, especially for first time mums and just really for mums in general and for parents in general who are looking for real and unfiltered conversations around parenting. Mm. You know, in episode four of this podcast, we spoke about how you coped mentally with motherhood and when your children were just babies. But today, I'm really interested to know kind of the practical strategies you use to parent your three beautiful boys now that they're older. Look, talk to us a little bit about how you approached parenting when you were younger versus now. Oh, look, I'm way more relaxed now (laughs) because I've learned you can't sweat the small stuff or you're going to be constantly sweating and stressing. So uh, definitely more relaxed. When I had the boys, yeah, I was very much really strict with routine and when everything got done and everything had to be organic and oh it eventually just got me to a place that I thought wow you know having this really uh structured life and so-called healthy life is actually mentally not healthy for me so I need to let go of some of this this nonsense um so I am much happier now because I definitely believe good enough is great parenting Um, and I don't judge one isolated incident or one isolated moment of parenting on my whole parenting. I think we can get caught up with, oh, I didn't handle that right, I'm not a good mum or not a good dad or, you know, um, or, or not knowing sometimes makes parents feel like they're inadequate because they're not sure how to handle things. But we need to remember that you are not given a handbook when you you have these children and you couldn't because you're dealing with personalities and each child, I mean, I've got identical twin boys and I couldn't say how much different they are from each other. Like they are so different and they were our firstborn. So we've parented them the exactly the same way, but they're so different. And, you know, it, it really, to me, is a testament that it doesn't matter always what strategies you have in place. You are still working with or against personality types. And so I think this, the struggle there or the aim is to get through the day as best as you can, as happy as you can, and don't judge yourself for things that are, you know, isolated incidences. Um, but yeah, really just understanding that not knowing or doing things not in the way that you thought was best, just, just give yourself a little bit of, um, you know, a bit of a pat on the back. You're doing the best you can do. And sometimes you just have to fumble your way through these things. And what works for one kid is not always going to work for another. Hmm. 
That's so interesting. I want to dive a bit deeper into that. You know, what was, you said it was kind of rigid parenting kind yeah. of regime that you had, you know, and that both your boys are just completely different. What was that like and how did you start to realise that one was so different from the other and how did you adapt? Mm, yeah, look, I guess that, you know, there, there, there's personalities, you know, you can have kids that maybe are a little bit more artistic versus um, what kids that maybe a bit more into their schoolwork and books and um, someone who's sporty versus not, like all those things. But I still think it comes back to, you know, you can nurture those personalities and nurture those things that they're interested in. And you may um, address things differently to those personality types. But for me, it still comes back to there are certain boundaries and rules and expectations that I have at home, just as I do in the workplace. And irrespective of your personality, there's some core beliefs and values that you still need to respect. Um, and more so when you're dealing with different personality types, that you need to be conscious of that. And and so for me, yes, I may address the boys differently with how I explain things or um, how I might spend time with them. But those core boundaries are dealt with the same way. And we've always been, my husband and I, very clear on our expectations of the boys. And, um, you know, even I think right before we had the kids, the boy, Matt and I discussed, you know, our expectations around parenting and what Mm -hmm. we sort of thought was ideal and not ideal, just so there was no surprises, you know. Um, The simple things like, you know, would you let your two-year-old stay at your uh, sister's house overnight or would you, you know, what age would you be comfortable with your child staying with someone else? Um, Are you comfortable? Like one thing for me was I was not comfortable and I'm still not with the news being on in our house. I just feel that it's it's just unnecessary to be honest. Um, So, yes, I'm bored, crapless watching cartoons (laughs) all the time, but I don't feel they need, there's nothing constructive that they need to see there. Uh, I don't feel that putting them in that situation of feeling that there's all this fear and, and nonsense going on that's necessary. So we were both on across that and happy with that. Um, unless it's educational, I, I just don't feel that it's needed um, because I think there's so many mental health issues mm-hmm. that we don't need to add to that by listening to all this crap on the news all the time. There's nothing empowering on there. <laughs> so why, why am I even listening? It's not balanced. Mm-hmm. So I think having that conversation before so you know, but, you know, for the boys – We've always been very clear on our boundaries um, and our expectations and we've always carried through with mm-hmm. what we've said. So if we expect something, even though it might have been easier at the time to just go, oh, I can't be bothered or there's people watching me or in the middle of the shops, no. Mm-hmm. I will carry out my expectations and my my discipline irrespective of where I am um, so that they know that that's, that, that behaviour is expected all the time, not just when I can be bothered delivering it. And, you know, for me, discipline is very much about um, the children knowing what our expectations are. So, for example, right from when they were little and they could understand, we would say, and I do it to this day, um, and I've got 12-year-olds and a 6-year-old, I will say, okay, boys, we're going to your auntie's house today and um, remember when we arrive I want you to say hello and you need to use your eyes you look at them you say hello and then you'll need to maybe take your shoes off and then when you're there you will make sure that you play nicely outside there'll be no jumping on people's couches they don't do it at my house Mm -hmm. I'm just reinforcing don't because their kids might 
but I don't care. Your kids can jump on, but my kids won't be jumping on your couch. So you won't be jumping on couches. You will be, make sure you ask, please. Thank you. Um, and if you can't do that, if you're having a bad day, then we'll need to go home early. So I set the expectation and then I let them know what the consequence will be. And yeah, I might be having an awesome time myself there, but if they're not behaving and they're having what I would say not a great day, I'll go home. And because then eventually, you know, it's parenting through the pain, isn't it? You've got to parent through these small incremental bits of pain to gain in the long term, you know, more well-balanced kids that understand how to regulate their own behavior and that there's consequences of your actions even as an adult you know every action has an equal reaction and that's what I teach the boys so if they think that I'm getting a bit upset with them I'll just say to them well do you feel that if you hadn't done that that I would be talking to you about this right now because I'm pretty sure I wouldn't so your action has caused this reaction so what I would suggest is that next time you don't take that course of action um and they even know now like I only have to look at it (laughs) (laughs) oh they know the look (laughs) I only have to look at them a certain way and they know and I now get from my boy's mum when we go out if I do something you don't like don't tell me in front of everyone can you wait till we get like they discipline me because they know I won't tolerate it like I just I mean I don't scream and carry on or whack them or anything but I just go you will not Mm. do that or or, or I'll just address it I don't care if the king's in the room so and they know that so they are preparing me not to tell them off (laughs) because they don't want to be embarrassed but I think it's setting the expectation um, before you go somewhere and then, you know, letting them know what the consequence will be. Okay, you're not having your iPad for 24 hours. And don't make it ridiculous because kids don't understand time like we do. So it could be like with my six-year-old, if he's carrying on a bit, doesn't want to go to bed, I'll say to him, okay, if you don't want to come to bed and you're going to be silly like this, then in the morning that iPad will be going into the cupboard until it's time for school. Like give them like incremental little things they understand. Or like with my older boys, I might say, okay, well, if, because of your behaviour, you're not on the Xbox until Saturday morning. So it's, it might be 12 hours. But that to them is like a whole year. You know, <laughs> there's no point saying, oh, you're not you're going to be banned for a month because you're going to cave, aren't you? So set expectations you know that you can deliver. Otherwise, they're constantly going to know you're full of crap and they're just going to keep pushing the boundaries. Um you know, and the other thing I think for me is making sure that both parents are across the parenting um, so that, you know, even if I don't always agree with it and vice versa, if I've said something to the boys and they've and they've learned now not to do it. <laughs> they <laughs> but go we, to Matthew. But we, but we, yeah, but we could all say as children we've tried this on, haven't we? So you go to the other parent and you go, can I do da-da-da-da-da-da-da with this coy little, you know, face and and then the other parents sort of probably not realised mm. and said yes, right? And then it causes a problem between the parents. Now I and and my husband learnt very on that this was going to happen, especially with the twin boys, and so we just said to them, now I've said no do not discuss this with your father because what I've said goes and that's it. Um, so if now even they come to me and say, oh, can I get, I don't know, the new skin on Xbox. Skin is a new character, like oh, skins. Go. What the hell? <laughs> like I'm like paying $14 no for a, a virtual <laughs> skin. Like what the hell? I'm still na- I'm mad about that. Anyway, <laughs> going off on a tangent. But if I say, have you, have you asked your dad for that? I'll get the roll of the eyes and they just walk out the room. 
because they know if they and, and they just don't do it anymore they just know that because I've caught pu- pulled them up on it the fact that you've asked your dad and he said no and now you've asked me means that you actually are not at a point of respecting your father that I am happy with so because of that you're now not getting that skin for the next following couple of weeks <laughs> skin sorry. skin I know what the <laughs> can't even believe I'm using this terminology, what the hell. But, you know, so for me it's that whole you've disrespected your father by coming to me, so now there is a repercussion for that lack of respect. So, it's yeah, it's probably all sounds quite strict but it's not. Like the boys, you know, we're a very loving family, we're very engaged, we're very relaxed but I have very set boundaries around respect. Um, you know, one thing that I do expect is that the boys give eye contact, mm. you know, like I, I'm, you know, Look at someone's eyes. Like my little six-year-old, he tries to leave daycare by not even saying goodbye. Mm. And I'm like, turn around, look Debbie in the eyes, and I want you to wave goodbye. I don't expect them to kiss or cuddle. That's a different level. But you need to give people eye contact. It's mm. respect. And and going into someone else's domain, you have to say hello. Or mm. you don't get to go into their house. It's as simple as that. So basic respects and, again, as I said, just enforcing and reinforcing what your expectations are. Mm. Just so valuable. So great. I think... You know, so many of the amazing mums listening would be able to relate and, and feel the pain when, when things aren't done and respect isn't there. You mm. know, how do you handle that conflict that might come from you tell, you know, you setting those boundaries and you putting that into place? Like, I'm, I'm guessing sometimes some the boys Mid-term might go, terms. oh, <laughs> 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 what yeah. is mum doing or what is dad doing? You know, how, how do you mm. manage the conflict? I think first of all, if you've lost your cool, don't um, get upset. I mean, I, I look, we, none of us are perfect and, and ideally we're supposed to and it's always best to deal with uh, irate situations calmly but, you know, we're only human and there are days where we think, wow, I don't know where that banshee came from but I just behaved like a four-year-old. So, you know, I am not saying for a, for anything that I've never lost my cool because I, I do, I have and I will continue to. But I do try and deal with things calmly, especially when I can see they are losing their cool over over something, especially now that I've got one that I think's um, oh, he's prepubescent. I'm, I'm sure he's been going through this for the last couple of years. Boys are not any different to the damn girls, I can tell you now. Um, very irrational behaviour and so mm. I just think, if we've got two irrational people, you're just not going to win out of this situation. So I do try to be calm. Um, it's not always about being right. So if I feel that, okay, their behaviour hasn't been okay, um, like, for example, last night I had one child come in and he wanted a skin. It's all coming back to these skins. <laughs> he, wanted a, skins. he wanted a skin. <laughs> and I said, you know, mate, that you can have a skin or V-Bucks it's called, every two weeks I don't mind, it's their sort of, they're like their pocket money. And I said, you you got it last week so there's one more week. Oh, but this skin I'm never going to get again. I know. I'm never going to get this skin again. It's This is the only time, you know, the, the usual crap. We've been there, done it ourselves. You know, that, that whole, um, you know, creating scarcity mm. marketing with your parents. It's not yes. going to cut it with me, mate. I know exactly what you're doing. So I've just said to him, well, that's okay then you don't get it. So you'll have to wait till the next skin you get that you can't get, that you've only got 24 hours to get, which you'll have on Friday of next week. I'm not budging on that, mate. And he walks out of the room, oh, 
God, I don't like you, you know, or whatever he mumbled. Mm-hmm. Now, I could have chased after him and said, what the hell did you, how dare you? But I thought, nah, I, you know what, one, I'm just not even going there because I can't be bothered with that. And I'm going to let him just wallow in that because they know right from wrong. If you've taught them that and, and you've disciplined them around that and they have ultimately have respect for you, I know he would have said that, walked away and probably felt crap about it. So... I then wait till either that night or the next morning and I address behaviour that I don't like. If I haven't been in a good place to deal with it myself or I feel that they're not in a good place to listen to what I've got to say and that's usually one of the two, mm-hmm. I feel that these things are best addressed the next day or that night when they're laying in bed with you or in the car is another good one. Mm-hmm. I think when you're in the car people can have some some deep, meaningful chats because you're actually looking at the view as well. So you're calmer, um, embed your karma. So I would just say, you know, Jackson, uh, last night when you said that, you know, I give you everything I can. You're looked after. I love you. So it is quite hurtful when you don't get your way that you would say things like that. Do you see how that would be hurtful? And they always mm. turn around and say, yeah, I'm sorry, mum. I, yeah. And it, it do it at a time that they are in a good headspace mm. to hear what you're saying. And, you know, dealing with younger kids, of course, that's going to be a bit different because um, they're, they're little combustions of tantrums and things like that. And, mm. you know, but I still would have those conversations with them and mm. say, you know, like my little one doesn't like going to bed at the moment. So mm. I prepare him for it <laughs> about five o'clock. <laughs> so tonight when we go to bed, buddy, there's going to be no crying or no whinging. Because what will happen? I'm going to have to put your iPad away, okay? So, and then I'll remind him, you know, and I keep, it might be two or three times prior to bed, I'll remind him of my expectation of it. So when I do take him, mm. he usually is okay. But if he's not, I just go, uh, so, uh, so is the iPad going in the cupboard, buddy? Because it looks like to me the iPad has to go in the cupboard. And then he stops because he knows I've set the expectation for hours. Um, <laughs> and and then, you know, if I have to put that iPad in the cupboard and he screams and carries on and, yeah, I ideally don't want to have to mm. listen to that, but I will mm. because I know if I don't, it will be a repeated behaviour forever. So it's that parenting through the pain mm. for the long-term gain of more balanced humans in your house. Parenting through the pain. There we go. (laughs) That should be the title of this episode. Oh, I do love that. Yes. So interesting. I think I want to, I kind of want to go a bit into, you mentioned the iPad, Mm. you know, I want to talk a little bit about parenting specifically in this digital age. Yeah. So, you know, you and I mentioned before this, I mean, I was just reflecting on my, my own personal childhood and I was like, it was we just didn't have that stuff, mm. you know, and it it just wasn't a thing yet. You know, what do you and Matthew do when it comes to setting those boundaries around technology, mm. around the Xbox, around the iPad? Yeah. I, I, look, again, it's uh, – look, when we had our, the younger twin boys, when they were first born, it was easy because, mm. first of all, iPads weren't really a thing um, and, second of all, they were the same age and together and they had, knew no different. Um, we just didn't have – iPads. They just didn't get them. I don't think we let them sort of have them till they were maybe six or something. I think they were in um, primary school. It's that long ago, but it was about that time. Now with Grayson, my youngest, how do you, ideally, I wouldn't have liked him to have an iPad till this age also, but how do I explain to a three or four year old that no, you can't do what your older brothers are doing? 
kind of can't do that really. Like unless I send my brothers, uh, send his brothers off to the bedroom and they've got to be isolated away and you can't do that either. So I think you've got to be realistic. So for me, I guess it's almost a little bit like when we were younger and I'm quite a bit older than you, but I know <laughs> that when we were watching TV or had the the old Mario Nintendo, everyone was worried about TV, like mm. watch too much TV, get outside. Yes. Yeah, I think it's the fear of the unknown and the fear of, you know, being addicted to something. But the irony we've got now, and there was an ad about this not long ago, the irony we've got about it now is that, okay, when I was a child, you probably could walk the streets a bit more, but you've got parents now that want their children to be sporty, academic, um, you know, worldly, climb trees, (laughs) but then they're like, the kid wants to go for a walk and climb a tree and the parent's like, no, 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 get back inside. I don't trust you to go out there or I don't trust the world. So what do you expect them to do? So it's kind of conflicting, I think, because here we are in a, a digital age where we're exposed to a whole lot more than we ever were before. Um, but we're also in a, I suppose, an era where we feel isolated because, not because of what We've got so much information, but we're isolated away from people. I mean, COVID doesn't help either. Um, But, you know, you're not wanting to give your kids that freedom that you're kind of also wanting them to have. You're You're not trusting them or you're not trusting other people for them to have that freedom. So I kind of put this question to you then what can they do? Because there's only so much they can do in their four walls. There's only so many sporting activities you can take them to. So there is going to have to be something that they do. There's only so many books. And and look, again, I think it comes down to personality. Like I know my sister's girls love playing. And I don't know whether that's a girls versus boys thing, but the you know, they could get out their tea sets and they love it. They play with their iPads too, but they're just as happy to play with things. Um, my boys have never been particularly into playing with anything. Um, They've been more outdoorsy. So I try and engage with them by, yeah, going to play centres or parks or, um, and quite frankly, I'd love to never see another park again. I'm a bit (laughs) over them. But, you know, look, it's, it's just trying to engage with them from an activities point of view. But I also understand and appreciate that this is the way things are now too. So I don't, I don't, uh, stop them from doing it. Yes, I use it as a bit of a pull if they're not behaving in a certain way. Um, you know, I, I do get them to try and self-regulate. So I explain to them that, you know, being on the iPad um, causes a lot of excess stimulation. So, you know, when you've got lots of stimulation, you feel like you've got all this energy and then you, it stops you from sleeping well um, and you are looking at lots of things and I think that's probably the, the level of concentration because we've got so much information at microseconds in front of us. I think it can teach kids to want instant gratification. Um, I don't know how you stop that, but I do think that you let them know that because you're seeing all of this, you're getting this instant gratification, which is not going to be good for you because you're expecting everything to happen right now and it does make you get bored easier So, and you're not sleeping as well and things. So just explaining it so that they can self-regulate, I think, to some degree. Um, obviously that gets easier as they get older and as long as you've had that conversation. But we have always set firm boundaries with it. So, you know, of a school morning, they're not allowed on um, iPads and my boys have only just been given a phone in year seven. So I was just adamant that they're not having that. Like I, you know, they would say to me, well, why can't I? I'm like, well, give me three good reasons why you need one. Oh, I want to talk to my friends. Pretty sure all your friends are at school, uh, you know, and, and then they would do the, oh, but I might need to call you. 
No, because I pick you up and drop you off everywhere. There's no, there's no reason why you need a phone right now. So um, I just nip that in the bud. It's just not going to happen until high school and they may catch public transport, et cetera, or are more likely to do things on their own where they might need to speak to me. So I'm a bit against phones being given to them. Um, I do set boundaries around when we've, we're going out, so restaurants and visiting people, there's just no technology. If I'm going to my sister's where we're there for a long period of time, different. Mm. But if we're going to a social thing, they need to learn how to behave at a dinner table for a certain period of time without being stimulated. Mm. Okay, boredom is part of life. I mean, and I think some <laughs> adults need to take a take some learning out of that. You don't have to be stimulated every second of the day. So, you know, okay, maybe you can't go to a re- fine dining restaurant, but do small incremental little things with your kids that are teaching them how to behave in a time that they can. You can't expect a child to sit at a dinner for two hours. Um, but, you know, and at night time, you know, there's a certain time they have to get off it. Uh, they're not allowed on their Xbox during the week, so only Friday and Saturday and Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, and that's a non-negotiable for me. It's just tough luck. So, you know, there's certain, again, certain boundaries within around those boundaries they can do what they want and be on the iPad if 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 they want to be on the iPad all day Saturday and we're at home I really don't care to be honest because ultimately that's up to them I can't be constantly pushing them you know they do sports they do all of that so for me it's like okay that's fine um but it's also regulating what they see. So I do have a parental control thing on my phone so I can set um and it's not always ideal but you can set what types of stuff that your children see based on their age. So, you know, and obviously ah. boys going into high school, mm. I'm really quite <laughs> um, particular about ensuring they don't navigate into sites they shouldn't be. Uh, so, you know, it's little things like that that you you just don't want them to be seeing things until they're mature already enough to, to see. So, um, yeah, I, I just think let them do it, but let, uh, let them self-regulate and understand the consequences of just doing that all the time. Mm. Just so great to hear. And I just think, you know, it's, I love how you put it on them as well. It's mm. almost like you pass the responsibility onto them. It's like, look, I can tell you what to do and what times and whatnot, but right. hey, it's going to be up to you. And if you want to be laying awake at 1am because you're too overstimulated, that's really your Correct. problem. So I love that you do that. Have you, how have you, are you in, you know, are you and your husband the same on this? Have you, mm. you know, did you guys discuss this before? Was it similar to just parenting in general? Like how did that yeah. work? Yeah, look, I think, look, my husband and I have a very respectful relationship and luckily we have always seen eye to eye on mm. things because I could see uh, that that would cause a massive issue in, in some households um, when the kids can sense that the parents don't have each other's back. So I would suggest that if you don't agree on things, that's okay as parents, but maybe make sure that's not obvious to your children, have those conversations when they're not there because it's always going to break some parents back. You know, the kids are going to figure out who is the one they can go to for what and it just causes conflict. And, again, it comes down to respect. Like if you you respect your partner enough, you don't agree on something, that's fine, but respect them enough that you don't let the children sense that and think they can be disrespectful, you know, because and I I do believe that's why our boys are such respectful kids because Matthew and I – 
are so respectful of each other and do not let the boys disrespect either one of us mm-hmm. or, you know, if, the, if one of them's a little bit, you know, like they're not perfect mm-hmm. but if they're a little bit disrespectful or say something, oh, I'm like, you don't, don't you speak about your father like that. He does every, you know, like I just don't allow it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a difference between having a whinge and being upset and being disrespectful and I think if the parents have a respectful relationship, again, respectful in that you might not agree but don't let the kids know that because I think that that's, where they're going to start tugging mm. at different parents mm. and ultimately you're showing them that you don't respect the mm. other parent, which then makes them think they can do that with their future partner. So I kind of feel that, you know, I want the boys to know how they should be treating other women and, and you know, future partners they have and, and other people. Like everybody deserves respect. I think that that's the key for me. Um, but I have always said to them, as my husband has, that, you know, we are not always going to agree with their behaviour or their choices and we are probably going to be disappointed with things they choose to do. Like, and this is conversations I have with them all the time and it's not even when something's come up. It just, I, just, I will just say to them, now that you're starting high school, um, I can promise you you're going to come across some bullies. I'll promise you this. I'll promise you that when you start your jobs that you probably will come against up against a bully. And I'm sorry about that, mate. I wish I could protect you against it. But I also promise you that there'll always be a way to fix it. And there'll always be a way that I can help you if you tell me about it. And I can promise you that you don't have to put up with it. So I think don't um, I've, I've always been a realist with my kids. So the same with their schoolwork. I can promise you that things may be hard mm-hmm. and I can promise that you won't always do well at everything because none of us are great at everything. I can promise that you're going to probably end up in tears over some of your schoolwork, but I can also promise that I'll be there to help you with it and that if you know where to get the answers, there'll always be an answer to your schoolwork or, or to whatever it is. And, you know, even if you do something that I don't agree with, I can promise you I'll probably be disappointed, Mm -hmm. but I can also promise you that I'll still love you and that I'll help you learn not to do that again or to make a better choice next time. So my boys, because of it, I do believe, are very open and honest with me. They And and Matthew, they'll come to me and tell me everything. Like even if someone gets on the Xbox and they think, well, this person, I don't know, there's someone trying to be friends with me or something's not right about this or this happened at school or this teacher said, like, they're very open with me because they trust that, you know, like one of the boys had an issue with some little bit of bullying that resolved itself um, and he needed to know that I wasn't going to do anything about it but he wanted to talk to me about it to see if he could resolve it himself. So it's having, they need to have the trust that you are going to also uh, stick to the boundaries they expect of you when they're going through things as well um, and then they continually are open with you. And I'm not saying that they don't try and pull the wool over your eyes and tell you the odd white lie to get their way. But when when it counts, they should feel that they can come to you and tell you about stuff, um, you know, whether it's to do with sex ed or, you know, feeling inadequate because maybe they're being bullied or maybe they're not doing well at something, um, you know, all of those things. It's such an overwhelming thing to be a child and then on top of it have a, a parent's expectations that you're, you know, Awesome. And, and it's not fair. It's not fair to have your expectations 
on the children. So I do always set the boundaries of all the negative things that can happen, but also promise them that it can be fixed. Um, I'm also very open with the boys, as my husband is, about suicide. Um, you know, we're open to, you know, within, uh, it's relative to their age. Uh, we've, we've always been very um, open to them about things that can happen to children. Obviously, we don't want to go into scaring them, but we've always said to them that a, a an adult never needs help from a child. So if you are walking down the street or you're at school or you're at someone's house and an adult says, mate, I need you to help me find this dog or, mate, can you tell me where this street is? Or if you get an adult, particularly someone um, you don't know or someone you know, mm. asking you a question for some help and particularly there's other adults around, they don't, adults don't need help from children. And I've always said that. So when an adult needs your help, you need to question it. And so um, I think just giving them triggers so that they, they oh, I remember mum saying this, this is a bit of a warning bell, so that they can start looking at these things. And, you know, when they started walking to school, you are not allowed to step off the footpath. So if a car pulls over, do not step off the footpath. What if I know the mum? That's fine. You can still hear them. You do not step off that footpath. You stay on the footpath. You don't ever walk because, again, an adult doesn't need help from a child. So little things like that that I've always instilled in them and reminded them and it's held it in good stead for them to have triggers that this could be a warning for a situation. But also they've given me warnings or heads up for situations that I've been able to help them through Um and they've got the trust that I'm going to help them through it as well. So mm. just being open about it and setting the expectation and letting them know that you probably will be disappointed with them at times, but you're also there and it's your role to also help them get through um, those moments. And as adults, we make wrong decisions, but it's always learning from them um, that's the most important. Mm. Just so valuable, I think, especially when it comes to that building the trust mm. between, you know, the child and and making sure they can come to you. Do you have kind of, I know you've kind of, we've, we've dived into it, but maybe two key tips on how we can build trust with our children. I think building trust is when they do come to you that first time is holding in check your emotions and your reaction because if they sense that you are, emotional, mm. angry, or if, you, if you're not calm and you, are, and you are really projecting those emotions, I think you're going to lose their trust in telling you because the first thing is they already obviously have an issue or they wouldn't be coming to you in the first place. So they're already feeling shit. Um, so for them, them, and as a parent, kids want their parents to you know, think the world of them. So to then mm. feel like they've let you down is another you know, stab in the back. So you've got to, even if you are disappointed or angry, and I'm not saying you're going to be perfect this all the time. Look, there's been things where I've flipped my, my nana over stuff. Like, but, but generally speaking, if they've come to you one-on-one, it's, it's just saying, okay, and let, let them finish. Let the, don't butt in. Let them, like, is that the whole story, mate? I need to know, is there anything else to the story? I don't care if you think I'm going to be angry. I might be, but right now what we want to do is I want to help you through it and then we'll discuss how you could, solve this issue next time. But right now I want to help you get through it. So whether I'm angry or disappointed, don't worry about, but let's just talk about it. So I think it's keeping calm, um, even if you really want to wring their necks. Um, So that would be my first thing. And then really look at whether you need to punish them for it. Because I feel that usually the situation is punishment enough. Mm. 
And so if they have to go through that and then you punish them as well, it's kind of like rubbing salt in the wound. And if it becomes repeated behaviour, different. Okay, if you get a child that's constantly, you know, doing the same thing, getting in the same trouble, yes, there's boundaries and there's got to, there has to be some repercussions of that behaviour. But if it's just an ad hoc thing, I think there's already a burden on them for what they're suffering for what's happened without you needing to punish them. It, the punishment is, is what's happened and that's enough. So I think that you just need to explain to them, okay, what would have been a better option or a, a better way of handling this and next time what are you going to do? Um, you know, rather than punching this kid in the face, what do you think you could do next time? Um, you know, it's just talking that through and say, okay, so now that you know that, this is what I expect next time, all right? So I want you to just go and chill out, watch a bit of TV, I'll make you a nice hot chocolate and we'll just, let's just sit and have a cuddle on the couch and just calm down for a little bit now and that's it. So I, I think it's definitely looking at how you handle it and really is there a need for any punishment because otherwise they're really going to think twice about telling you anything. So great. So, so great. Okay, so we want to kind of dive a bit deeper into COVID-19, so everything that's been going on. So we're recording this during the COVID-19 crisis and, you know, obviously majority of people have been working from home, their kids aren't, you know, haven't been able to go to school and everything's online and everyone's been been at home. You know, for you guys, how has that affected, has that affected in any way how you've parented the kids? What have you tried to do to, I guess, make this the situation that make the best of of the situation mm. yeah look the first couple of days especially when they said that we were going to do um have schooling from home I have to say I oh yeah that was <laughs> wow um especially just trying to get everything sorted out and then I thought you know what I just however long this takes whether it's four weeks six weeks eight weeks three months this period of time is not going to define my children's entire life. So I am not going to sit here and do six to eight hours schooling with them. Mm. I'm just not doing it. Mm. So I'm going to um, have some expectation around them uh, doing some of the schoolwork, but they're definitely not going to do Mm. the full. And I was quite open with the high school about that and they and they were very accepting of that as well because, you know, you really have to weigh up mental health versus... um, education and lifestyle and and so for me I just felt that especially with boys that have a bit of anxiety on top of it that for their own health and well-being that there were certain expectations when schooling starts that they have to sit down um, and their dad does a lot of it bless his socks um, <laughs> uh, you know for a couple of hours to do the basic things that they've got to do with their English and maths and, and what have you um, and then the other thing that we make them do every day is they read to one grandparent each for 15 minutes and we've kind of said that um it's because the grandparents are lonely stuck at home when really it's getting them to read because my boys hate reading right so you know got reverse psychology people it's the best tool as a parent um so they have to do that and they have to go for a uh i think is it is it one and a half k's my my husband's got some bloody thing on his watch or f- or his phone, which is connected to the boy's phone so he can see how far they've walked or run so they can't pull the wool over our eyes and they've got to do it. So they've got to go for a K walk or run or whatever it is. So they've got to do those non-negotiables and we've said that. It's something for fun, something 
to learn or something for your education um, and something for your health every day. So those three things they've got to do every day. So something for your health, something for fun and something for education. So they're the non-negotiables is the reading and the exercise and then they might do an hour or two of schooling. Um, and then to be honest, I never thought I'd say this, <laughs> but God bless the Xbox because, <laughs> oh, my God, they can communicate so with their friends. <laughs> Did you ever think you would hear a parent say they freaking love the Xbox? <laughs> so that whole Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing's gone out, out of the, the wind. window. Yeah. And, and, and they, as long as they've done those three things, then they can go on the Xbox. They've got to get off it at a certain time. Um, but I love the Xbox because it's kept them in communication with their friends. They could talk to them and it's been absolutely amazing from that point of view. Mm. I love that. And I think it's in these moments of crisis or periods of crisis, it's almost just like, what's going to keep everyone sane? And, and not feeling completely myself. Yeah, exactly. isolated. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I love it. Oh, what an episode, Bryony, as, as per usual, you know, <laughs> thank you so much for sharing with us. You know, I think so many of the amazing women listening would be just taking so much of this away, as am I. And I can't wait to dive into ne- the next episode where we talk about approaching leadership at home and in the workplace. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Beauty, Business and Babies podcast brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. I hope there was something in today's episode that you found relatable and made you feel less alone. As women, we're all struggling with something on the inside, but we're often too afraid to ask for help. If there was something in this episode that you think might help another woman you know, please share it with them and let me know by screenshotting this episode and tagging me on social media at Bryony A. Kennedy and at Adorn Cosmetics. If you love what Adorn Cosmetics stands for, subscribe to this podcast right now and head to adorncosmetics.com.au to become an adorner and receive special offers on all things adorn. Thank you once again for listening and being part of my journey. I'll see you next time.